ever feel like you're being taken advantage of? Yeah, your coworker almost never meets their, their deadlines. And so you jump in to help them out again and again and again. It becomes a pattern, and you get this feeling that your, your, your coworker is almost counting on you to jump in and, and help them out at the last minute. Or you have this friend who tells you, uh, they, they call you up and they just have to tell you all of their life's problems and how tough life is. And, and that's fine. You want to be loving. You want to be kind. But, but they, they call you so often and they tend to talk so long uh, that and, and sometimes you just don't have the time. But whenever you try to put them off a little bit, they, they know how just to put that little guilt trip on you because you're not, you know, listening to them and, and giving them all the time that they want. Or you have this, this friend or even a family member who is just kind of pushy and kind of angry. And you are the peacemaker in the family. And you're always tiptoeing around, trying to keep the peace, showing a lot of love, trying to keep everybody happy. We're, we're in this series where we're talking about emotional health. And it's amazing how people with high IQs can have such low EQs. You can be intellectually smart and emotionally and relationally dumb. And just because you're a Christian does not guarantee that, that you are emotionally healthy. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. I, I simply want to read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 today. Normally, each Sunday as we've been looking at this passage, we've been starting in verse 16 and going all the way to verse 26 because it's always important to see a verse in its context. But we've been, we've been at this, this same passage for a while now, and I want to just laser in on verses 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and how as a Christian, when you're following Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives you resources and it gives you strength along with the teachings of Christ. But the fruit of the Spirit in you gives you the strength to be emotionally healthy and have healthy relationships. These are the kinds of fruit that, that should be evident in our lives. Listen, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Notice one of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. This is what we're talking about today, the fruit of, of gentleness. What do you think of when, when you think of a gentle person? When we call someone gentle, we, we mean it as a compliment, right? But, but also sometimes, isn't there maybe a hint of of weakness there too. We might say, oh, he or she is such a gentle person. I doubt if they have the strength to really confront so-and-so. They're, they're so gentle and they're so kind. I doubt if, if he or she will really be able to deal with this troublesome person, this troublesome issue properly. Isn't that what we might be at least implying when we call somebody really gentle and kind and patient, and all the fruit of the Spirit. The Greek word for gentleness here is related to the word meek and meekness. Remember, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The Roman Empire in Jesus' day, and really much of our world today, says that meekness is weakness. 
We don't really believe the meek will inherit the earth. We think the strong will inherit the earth. If you want to get ahead, you've got to push. You've got to shove. You can't let anybody get out ahead of you. We think meekness is, is weakness. But when Jesus uses the word, and when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, they're not talking about weakness. They're, they're not talking about letting yourself being taken advantage of. They're talking about strength under control. Strength under control. Jesus described himself as gentle and humble in heart. Think of this. Jesus was gentle. Jesus was meek. He was humble. And read through the Gospels. What was Jesus like? He could confront people, couldn't he? He could say no to people. He could set boundaries with people. People would say, Jesus, you have to come to my house. Jesus, you have to come to our town. People were always trying to set Jesus' agenda and schedule for him. And many times he had to say, no, can't do that. Not going there, not doing this, because I'm going to go here instead. And he didn't even feel guilty about it, setting, saying no and setting boundaries. And when Jesus saw the religious leaders taking advantage of people, he said, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you teachers of the law. He confronted them. Jesus knew how to confront and how to set boundaries. I want to talk to you today, especially about boundaries. You see, to have healthy relationships and, and to have healthy emotions, you have to have healthy boundaries. A few Sundays ago, we talked about forgiveness what it is and what it is not. And a couple of Sundays from now, we're going to talk about crucial conversations, how to actually confront someone and, and have that difficult conversation with them and speak the truth in love, but really it's hard and you'd rather avoid it and not deal with it, but you know that there's this dysfunction, there's this something wrong in your relationship, and you really need to address it. How do you address it in a healthy way that hopefully will improve your relationship with that person. So th this message today on boundaries is linked together with the other two, forgiveness, boundaries, crucial conversations. You may want to review these, these three messages in the future. They'll be online on our website. So, so let's jump in. The fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. Meekness is not weakness. To be gentle and kind and patient does not mean you are weak. It does not mean you let people take advantage of you. Neither does it mean that you just bulldoze over people and leave behind you a bloody trail of broken relationships. True love knows how to confront gently but firmly. True love has strength enough to set healthy boundaries. The more you experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the more you have this strength under control where you have healthy boundaries with people. So our tendency is to clam up or blow up. We clam up and say nothing, and we avoid. Or we blow up and, and get angry and say things and do things that we, we shouldn't do. And so rather than clamming up or blowing up, we need to learn how we can build up the relationship by dealing with it in a healthy way. I want to explain this morning what boundaries are, and then we're going to apply the idea of boundaries to our spouse, our children, and our friends. Our spouse, our children, and our friends. And if you're not married and if you don't have children, uh, you can adjust and reapply these principles to the relationships that you do have. Okay, So it really applies to every single one of us. So what are boundaries? 
By the way, most of what I'm saying today comes right out of Henry Cloud and John Townsend's classic book called Boundaries. It's a great book, and there, there's no way I can unpack it all today, so you might want to get that book and read it for yourself. But they say in their book, boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. We are responsible to others and for ourselves. For example, think of property lines. You have your home and your neighbor has his home. You have your yard, they have their yard, and hopefully you know where the property line is. You know where the boundaries are. And you know that you are responsible for your property and they are responsible for their property. And it's fine to help each other out. Your neighbor might say, hey, I'm going away on a vacation next week. Could you cut the grass for me? And then I'll, when I get back, I'll cut your grass for you sometime. And you say, sure. So you may cut their grass. They may cut your grass. It's fine to cross boundaries and help each other out like that when it's agreeable. But you're not going to cut your neighbor's grass every week, are you? At least not for free, right? Because that's their property. And they are responsible for, for their own property, and you are responsible for, for yours. You're not going to pay you, their utilities. You're not going to pay their mortgage for them. Why? Because that's their stuff. That's their property. And they are responsible for that, not you. He would be taking advantage of you to expect you to take care of all his stuff, right? So boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. We are responsible to others and for ourselves. You say, well, well Greg, what do you mean? I'm responsible to others and for myself. We actually see a great explanation of it right here in, in Galatians. Galatians 5 is about the fruit of the Spirit. Well, just a few verses later in, in chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 through 5, wonderful passage there. In verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. But then down in verse 5, he says, For each one should carry their own load. Do you hear that? Carry each other's burdens... And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ, for each one should carry their own load. Now, I, I've actually read some books by skeptics who think the Bible is full of contradictions. This is one that they like to point to and say, look at this, this contradiction. Carry each other's burdens and then carry their own load. Which is it? Contradiction. And, and, and no, it's not a contradiction at all. It's a beautiful truth. Paul is simply saying here that we are responsible to help each other out. And fulfill the law of Christ. But ultimately, each of us is responsible for himself or herself. I think of what we do here as a church all the time. Through your generous financial giving, we are able not only to run all the ministries of the church, but we, we help people in all kinds of ways. We support missionaries around the world. We support Lighthouse of Oakland County, Draw, Oakland Hope, Grace Women's Center, Blessings in a Backpack. We're helping people all the time. We have an, a benevolence fund that is set aside to help people who are really in a pinch and, and they, they need some food or they need a month's rent paid and they're really in, in, a, in a pickle and they, they just really need help. And, and so their burden is so overwhelming at the moment, they need somebody to come alongside and help them carry their burden. And that's what Jesus wants us to do, carry each other's burdens. Most of us at one time or another in life experience such a hardship, 
such a problem, such a burden in one form or another that it's wonderful to have some friends and family and church family to come alongside and help you carry that burden, right? This is what Jesus wants us to do. It fulfills the love that he has for all of us. However, there are boundaries. The church can't pay your rent every month. We can't buy somebody a house. We have boundaries. We have limits because ultimately everyone must carry their own load. You see, we're responsible to help each other out, but ultimately we're responsible for ourselves. So hopefully you're clear now what boundaries are. Let's apply them to to various people, boundaries and your spouse. Now, boundaries can get really confusing (laughs) when it comes to marriage because after all, you're supposed to be one flesh, right? Jesus said, and Paul says in Ephesians, he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And marriage is all about the two becoming one. And so you might think that there's supposed to be no boundaries in your marriage because you're one flesh. Not so. Many marriages have become dysfunctional and fail because of boundary problems. Peter Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says, Uh, talking about him and his wife, Jerry. When Jerry and I were married, we lit what is recognized today as the unity candle. This symbolized we were now one. The question we didn't answer was, which one? For the first nine years of our marriage, I, I unconsciously answered that question with, yes, Jerry and I are one, and I am the one. Peter was this this large church pastor in New York City. He was driven. He was busy. His church was growing like crazy. And and his wife, Jerry, was just kind of a tag-along. He made all the decisions. She had little or no input until finally one day she said, I quit your church. I'm going to a different church. Now, that's kind of embarrassing for a pastor. You know, when his own wife says, I'm going to a different church. And then sometime later, she said, I can't handle this small apartment next to this noisy street in the middle of summer here in the middle of New York City when it's so hot that the kids and I are spending the month of July at my mother's house down on the beach on, in, on New Jersey's shore. And he said, no, you're not. She said, yes, I am. He said, no, you're not. She said, yes, I am. And Peter got angry and he pouted because, you see, he was not used to his wife setting boundaries. Peter writes in his book, Jerry had transformed the power dynamic of our marriage. He says that crisis was the beginning of new behaviors and new boundaries being set where Peter learned to respect Jerry more and where Jerry had more input and power in the relationship. You see, in any relationship, there is a balance of power or an unbalance of power. In a dysfunctional relationship, one person has almost all the power and the other person feels taken advantage of and intimidated. If you're married, what would you say the power balance is like in your relationship? Is it, is it pretty equal or is one of you running the show and the other's just a tag along? And, and I want to say here, because this principle applies not only to marriage, but to any, any of these, anytime you try to set a boundary. Whenever you try to set a boundary with anyone, even your spouse, expect pushback. Expect even an angry response. And what you have to realize is you cannot control them, but you can control yourself. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? 
One of the, 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 the last fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is not other control. We, we're, we're into other control, aren't we? But, but you can't really control anybody else. Jesus says, no, you focus on self-control through the grace of the Holy Spirit. So when they start yelling, because you're setting a boundary now, and you're saying, you know what, this is no longer acceptable. And, and, and when, when, if they start yelling and they start pouting, you don't say, stop yelling at me. Quit yelling at me. No, 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 because you can't control that. You can't control them. Instead, what you say is something like this. Well, obviously, you can yell if you want to, but I will not choose to be in your presence when you act that way. You see, you cannot control them, but you can control yourself. You don't say to your spouse, you need to stop drinking. It's ruining our family. You're wrecking our life. Stop drinking. Stop drinking. You need to quit that. No, no. instead of approaching it that way, you say, I cannot keep you from drinking, but I will not continue to expose myself and my children to this chaos. The next time you are drunk, we will go to the Wilson's home for the night, and we will tell them why we are there. Your drinking is your choice. What I put up with is my choice. You see? So when you're setting a boundary, it's not about you trying to control them, because you can't. What you're doing when you set a boundary is you're, you're controlling yourself. You're saying, when you behave this way, this is what I'm going to do. Self-control. Let's talk about boundaries and, and your children. Ephesians 6, 4, the Apostle Paul says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. You know, don't irritate them. Don't rile them up. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In their book, uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend say, Second only to learning how to bond, to form strong attachments, the most important thing parents can give children is a sense of responsibility. Knowing what they're responsible for and knowing what they are not responsible for. Knowing how to say no and knowing how to accept no. Parents, one of the best things you can do for your child is to help them develop healthy boundaries. You want them to develop an internal, a sense of internal responsibility where they can take initiative. They, they, they have a sense of, of personal responsibility for their lives. So they know how to say no to someone who is crossing inappropriate boundaries. So when, 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 when they're a little older and, and, and a friend says, hey man, let, let's, let's go drink in. Let, let's, let's go smoke some weed. They, they have a healthy, healthy sense of, of responsibility and, and, and enough emotional health that they can say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, come on, man. They start making fun. No, I'm not going to do that. And you want your child also to relate well to proper authority in their life so that they accept no when someone appropriately tells them no. This is what disciplining your little children are all about. You have to set boundaries. Healthy boundaries for your kids and, and, and have safe consequences for them, safe suffering for them when, when they, they disobey those boundaries. Because if you don't enforce those boundaries, they are learning that your no doesn't really mean no. So they grow up getting used to violating your no with no consequences. And what happens? They go to school and they discover that saying no to the teacher has different consequences. 
Henry Cloud says, if we don't teach our children to take a no, someone who loves them far less may take on the job. I've talked to many young men in prison, to our prison ministry, who've never learned how to take a no. Their parents didn't teach them to take a no. And they went through their life not listening to anybody, not taking any no's until finally the police and the courts had to tell them no. Now, I want to touch on a common problem. Maybe you're grown up now and you're married now. What do you do with your in-laws? What do you do with, with your parents? You're the child in the relationship, but you're grown now. You're an adult, and you're having trouble with boundaries with, with your parents. What do you do? Huge topic, and I can only address a little here. When I was a young father, I, I would tell Corey and Carrie, you don't talk to your mother that way. I don't talk to her that way, and you won't either. You see, I, I would set the example, and I demanded that they respect Sandy the way I did. You may have to do that with your in-laws or with your parents, where you say something like, Mom, Dad, you do not talk to my spouse that way. I don't talk to her that way, and I will not permit you to talk to her that way either. You have to set boundaries. You say, well, well Greg, what if they get angry? What if they get upset? Remember, you can't control that. You can't control them. You can only control yourself. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Remember, not other control. And in fact, like I said, when you set a boundary, expect pushback. Expect even some anger. You have been letting them cross your rightful boundaries for some time now, maybe your whole life. And now that you're saying you can't cross this anymore, they will be puzzled and they will be angry. They will say, why not? I've crossed this boundary a thousand times before. Now why are you suddenly drawing this line in the sand? So when you set a new boundary that they're not used to, you are realigning the balance of power in your relationship. They are used, your parents are used to having this power over you. And now even though you're an adult, they still inappropriately use this parental power to perhaps abuse you or manipulate you. And, and now as an adult, you're working through that and and. And you have to learn how to set some healthy boundaries, and you need to expect some pushback. When, so when you say, I'm not going to let you do this to me anymore, you are realigning the power structure in your relationship so that it's more healthy. Remember when we talked about forgiveness a few Sundays ago? We said that we always have to forgive, but we don't necessarily end up being reconciled. There's a difference. Forgiveness is releasing the bitterness in your heart toward them. God always wants you to forgive. God never wants you to be carrying around this bitterness and anger and hate towards anybody. But if the other person is not willing to repent, that is, if they're not willing to own up to what they're doing, you can't be reconciled. See, you cannot change what you do not acknowledge. If they don't admit there's a problem, if they won't say, wow, Okay, I'm sorry. Let, let's talk about this. Let, let, let's lean into this together and, and try to figure this out. It, 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 if, if they're not willing to do that, at least in some cases, you might have to say, I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. But you know what? We just can't see you for a while. Or maybe we can't see you anymore, at least not very often. If they're not willing to own it 
and accept some of the proper boundaries. I know this is tough. This is a tough topic right here. If you're struggling with this issue, I recommend not only the book, but there's a great article online by Kim Bryan, B-R-Y-A-N, Kim Bryan. She has an article called Five Reasons Why Adult Children Estrange from Their Parents. Good article. Let's talk briefly about boundaries and your friends. Boundaries and your friends. You know, friendships and families sometimes get messed up in what's called triangulation. Have you heard of triangulation? Not strangulation. Triangulation. Triangulation is the failure to resolve a conflict between two persons and the pulling in of a third person to take sides. Triangulation is the failure to resolve a conflict between two persons and the pulling in of a third person to take sides. It goes something like this. Person A is angry at person B. Person A does not tell person B. Rather, person A talks to person C about it. And, and person C enjoys the confidence of person A, so they sit around and they talk how, about person B. And, and then and, and person B doesn't even realize that person A is upset with them because when person A is around person B, they're so cordial and respectful, but person A loves to get around person C and they talk about it. And, and, and then one day, person C says to person B, hey, do you know that person A is upset with you? And person B said, I had no idea. Have you experienced this kind of thing? It's this triangulation. And, and, and it, it's, it's just so dysfunctional, and it's breaking all kinds of boundaries. This is a, a clear lack of boundaries. Person A is not owning up to their anger. Person A is not willing to go to person B and talk directly with them, but they go to person C, and then person C is getting drugged into something that's really none of their business, and it may actually result in, in a bad relationship between person C and B now. See, Jesus says in Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. See, the more you follow Jesus and the more you're filled with his spirit, Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit, you will find a healthiness and a strength and a courage to care enough to confront what's dysfunctional in any of your relationships. You can do it gently. You can do it kindly. You can do it patiently. You can do it with love. But you will have a certain strength under control, led by the Spirit, where you can say, you know, we have a problem. Let's talk about it. And you have the strength to however they react. You know you can't control them. You hope that they react well. You hope that you can rebuild the relationship. You, you hope to be reconciled. But you understand that might not happen. But you have the strength to set some healthy boundaries and maintain your self-control. Would you bow your heads with me?